episode on the All That Glitters podcast. And this one is really, really me being transparent and sharing my stories and my current struggles with my body dysmorphia. It is something that will always impact me. Um, I think every competitor kind of struggles with this and people in general do as well, men and women. I also chat with Nicole about her disordered eating history and how she got over that. I want to preface this episode with, I am not a professional. This is just me being completely transparent, kind of speaking off my my thoughts um, and just being 100% honest with you know, how I'm going about this. So again, I'm not a professional. I don't claim to be, but I do want to share my story because I do think it's important. So prepare yourself for the epic mic drop. Hello? Hi, Kate. Hey, what's up? Girl, I'm having <laughs> with Instagram. Uh, no, mine's not working at all. Really? Yeah, I can't even log in. But I, I went can't... on Twitter and everybody else like is the same. Okay, well, cool. It's just like, today's been really slow. I haven't had a day off in a long time. Um, probably like almost two weeks and that's on me. And I'm just like a workaholic in general. But today, I haven't been able to work as much because the Instagram was shut down. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Yeah, no, that's (laughs) like me. I realize how much time I spend on that thing by not being able to spend time on that thing. Yeah, it's like, it's hard. I realize how distracted I get from it, too. Yeah, no, same. And like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm on Twitter. Let's see. (laughs) Because I'm like trying to but, figure out if it's just me. Because I thought for a minute, like, what the heck? Because this morning it was being slow. Like, I couldn't upload any stories. Or, like, my DMs were, yeah. like, showing up. But my responses weren't showing. And then all of a sudden, I mm-hmm. just, like, I deleted it and logged out. And thought maybe it was just, like, a hiccup. And then I went to sign back in and re-download it. And it just is, like, not working at all. Ugh. It's so annoying. Um, But, I mean... You tell me you want to talk about eating disorders or do you, let's talk about first, like where we are struggling with our own fitness journey right now. Um, And then we can go into like an eating disorder. I just mean like disorders in general. Like for me, Ah, I think that physique sports like definitely impact people's psychology, regardless of whether you come into it healthy or not. Um, And then like the, the like trajectory of that disorder, like, can manifest itself if it's not taken care of and I feel like a lot of people struggle and they all struggle in their own way like for me body dysmorphia is something that I have and I'm aware of it um and I've I had it when I was dieting and I think everyone experiences it on some level when they're dieting down Mm -hmm. but I also think people experience it when they're reversing and some people kind of get through that on some level and some people never do and it's something that I have been like really reflecting on as to like why I can't look at like I I coach people for a living like this is what I do and I I can objectively see them and if I cut my face out of a picture like I can look at myself but it's like when I know it's me it's like the way that I see myself is so not nice and it's 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 like something that I can identify with but at the same time it's like it's frustrating to me because it sounds so stupid like and I don't it's not that I think I'm like oh my god I'm fat but like that doesn't mean I don't look at myself and be like you've you've gotten some fluff on there like so I don't know but like that's my current struggle and that's what I was talking about and I know like you've had your own kind of disordered patterns that are different from mine yeah and so I just kind of thought, like, yeah. we could talk about that stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty open book. Now, one thing I think that's interesting is that it's an unfortunate thing that we'll never be able to get to see ourselves from an outward perspective. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. Like, even though you look at yourself in the mirror, like, like that's like you're three dimensional. <laughs> like, you can't walk down the street and, like, meet Kate because that's not a thing. Um but I wish that that was where you could see yourself because there's times when I've been in dressing rooms where like it's covered in mirrors. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I see myself from like an angle I've or and like I don't recognize myself. I'm like, wait, that's how I look like at that like weird corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I definitely understand that. I feel that so much. But um, I think my body image issues were way worse before I started competing. Um, This past year, I'm very, like, proud of how much I've overcome my body image issues. Like, this last offseason, like, did I put on um, fat for sure? But I didn't, like, not like my body. Like, I promised myself to honor my body at all stages because I had spent years hating on it ever since I was 14. um, I struggled on and off. Um, I say on and off, but it's more or less like more intensely and less intensely Mm because it was never like fully gone with an eating disorder for almost, oh my gosh, like seven years. So um, this last off season was better for me because I went into the mindset of, no, you need to love your body at every single stage, regardless if your lines aren't there or not. But like mine comes out of like a total respect for myself. And um, that that's just what I strive for now. But I definitely understand like looking in the mirror and not seeing myself properly or whenever you're like stage lane. I look back at pictures when I'm like, oh, I'm bloated. And I look back I'm like, what the freak was I talking about? Like, what? My stomach is like super flat and I thought I was bloated because you're how you perceive yourself is so off. Yeah, and it's like it's just frustrating and I I'm trying to identify ways in which I can fix it. And I think on some level and I'm no like psychologist. let me just throw this out there for people listening, like we I'm are a not. psychologist, like I'm not some I'm not a professional. Um, so this is just my personal opinion and my own experiences. So let me just throw that out there first. But I think that when someone truly has a disorder, it's something that they battle with forever. And the amount at which it pushes against their psyche and the, the manners in which they can identify it before it, it manifests itself in a, in a larger manner are different depending on like your progress with that struggle. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that if you truly have, you know, a disordered pattern in your life, whether it's you know an eating disorder or psychological disorder, that you're just cured one day um, no. or you just don't ever struggle with it anymore. Like people that are like, you know, I don't struggle with this anymore. I, I don't know if, if that's true or if they never truly had it because someone very, very close to me in my life had binge eating disorder and it was pretty severe. Um, and it's something that they have coped with, that they work through, but they have to actively work through it every single day. Every day, um, yeah. And it's not something that just kind of, oh, I'm better now. Like, I used to be a binge eater. I used to have binge eating disorder, but I don't anymore. Um, so to me, like, when people say that you can, like, just be better, I, I don't know if that's true. No. I never think that I will fully be recovered. It's just a matter of fact of learning how to cope with the voices and signals that my brain sends me so um another thing too is like disorders is it's similar to uh it's not like similar but it's it's like alcoholism like someone who struggles with that sort of addiction which it's like an addiction to an unhealthy behavior around food um it it's harder to overcome because like with alcoholism you can kind of not buy alcohol like you can't just not eat you're gonna be faced with food or else that's a disorder um and so you have to learn how to cope with these voices and signals that your brain is telling you because we all kind of talk to ourselves so I a lot of people who struggle with eating disorders which I I know that you've talked to a handful of people who have um they might tell you that like they hear like a voice in their head like their eating disorder voice and Mm -hmm. it's about overcoming that when that voice arrives or it's almost like the voice of doubt so you were talking about how there's like different voices in your head and like you had binge eating disorder like how what what was your experience like do you mind talking about it like what was your experience and like how long did it last what triggered it and like how did you kind of like what's your story okay um I think that my eating disorder well my first experience of struggling with like sizes was at age eight so Mm -hmm. I remember being at like a Kmart and my mom wanted me to go from a child size seven to a child size eight. 
you remember those sizes they're like mm-hmm. really tiny and mm-hmm. I threw a fit and I was like no I don't want those shorts if I have to buy a bigger size like that's my first memory of having some sort of disordered relationship so yeah. young um but the first time it turned into anything severe I would say was when I was 14 so my mom had started this diet with um like a weight loss company which was severe caloric restriction like 800 calories a day and I thought that I could you know learn from her and of course with um a little bit of an older population they were taught kind of like good and bad and I always wanted to be like a really good kid so I would kind of follow what she was doing which was very low carb and very low calorie and then before I knew it I was taking all of the foods I was eating because I used to have like a mad appetite like eating pizza like crazy like 12 inch put long subs and shakes and all of that crap like as a kid mm-hmm. um, and then I went from eating that to eating like a granola bar for breakfast and then before I knew it it was half of a granola bar or half of an apple or half of things like I would never finish anything and because my mom was on uh, like this low calorie diet I was trying to find low calorie diets for me which back in the day they had these websites called um like thinspiration websites what you do you not know what that is no it's real real fucked up um <laughs> that's a good thing we have explicit on here so a thinspiration website is almost like a tutorial on how to get an eating disorder oh my gosh so they teach you how to deal with being starving and how to handle people who are questioning you and that you are superior and you're doing great things because you are starving yourself and you're doing what other people can't do and it would teach you how to purge and it would teach you how to do all these things and my little 14 year old brain because there's other women on there is like kind of like chat rooms and stuff I knew what I was doing was kind of wrong like I knew that I was in a dark area of the web does that make sense Mm -hmm. But I felt included because I felt like I wanted to learn how to diet and I wanted to lose weight. And I don't know why I wanted to lose weight. I was like super small as it was. But before I knew it, so this is how my mom kind of knew something was up. Uh, I went in for a physical and a month later I needed to go because of like the date was incorrect for my gymnastics Um like winter registration something stupid so like a month Mm -hmm. later I went for a physical and I remember at that original one I was at like 124 and I'm I'm 5'6 and I remember being really upset with that number and I wanted to be like 115 pounds well when I came back to do a weigh-in and that was after I created all these rules I was probably eating less than 800 calories a day like listening to like what this website was telling me I had lost 10 pounds in a month. Oh, my gosh. And the doctors were questioning me. They were like, are you depressed? Are you dieting? And my mom's like, no, no. Like, she eats really healthy. Like, she and I became a vegetarian at the time. She's like, she became a vegetarian. My mom did not know because I became a mass manipulating liar from my disorder. She had no idea. Really? And the doctor was like, there's something up. Like, I remember this doctor and I got so mad and defensive. And like, that's what's freaky about eating disorders is they want to stay around. Like, they don't want you to let them go. So instead of me saying like, oh, yeah, I need help. Like, I I didn't know I was unhealthy. It was more like me saying, no, you're wrong. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Even though I knew like I wasn't fine. (laughs) So that turned into... Um, eventually I got sick and tired of restricting my calories. So I learned how to, um, exercise and run. So I started doing mass amounts of cardio and exercise whenever I eat something. So I was probably working out four or five hours a day. So that is an exercise based purge for, um, I guess consuming food And then um, that turned into, and I I mean, I was starting to eat more calories and more of a variety of food, but I still had like food rolls in place, which that looked like, you know, not eating meat at the time and not eating um, 
like heavily processed foods and candy, things like that. I wouldn't let myself eat. Um, just make, make believe rolls that I made for myself. I don't even know where I got them from. Maybe that website to some degree. And then, um, yeah, I struggled with that all throughout high school and in college. Um, I struggled with actually purging a handful of times, which Mm. it was never consistent, like on a regular basis. Um, but that's when I, I was like, this needs to stop. Like I can die. Like, here's the thing with purging that freaks me out and bulimia is you can die of cardiac arrest while you're purging because of the amount of strain you're putting on your body so you could be a normal weight and you can um you can have a heart attack and um my aunt actually passed away like that and I Mm. actually also found out that my grandma passed away like that so eating disorders run in my family as well um and that scared me because I remember one day doing it and I looked at myself in the mirror and your face gets puffy because it's a stress and my hands were all shaky. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You need help. <laughs> and it, I mean, it freaks me out. So, I mean, it's been, I haven't had a single thought of binging and purging in like at all really for about a year which is so did you ever did you ever really binge or was it just more of like restriction and exercise and then physical purging in your college years my diagnosis is anorexia binge purge subtype which Mm. means I have primarily anorexic tendencies with um binging and purging from times however my binges are due to my severe restriction from my anorexia does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of like what we see people as far as like dieting, for example, that just kind of lose control. Yes. It was associating like negative things with a food group and then restricting it in a manner that's not sustainable. Yeah. And I would usually like purge on foods that were like healthy. It would be like bunches of protein bars or like. Oh, um, I hope they were in quest. Your stomach was about to be. I think one time I did that that was bad um or it'd be like peanut butter or just like weird things that were like healthy but I just lost control around which I'm also really proud to say that I don't have foods now that I lose control around like I can have all foods around me and they don't bother me yeah and I think that that just is another like light on flexible dieting because a lot of people ask me like how I don't struggle with you know overeating like binging is something that I've never I've never struggled with. Um, I'm really good at dieting and that's just like a discipline thing. Like back when I was very, very lean coming off of a competition, I think I would have rebounded poorly. Um, however, my initial, my initial coach was so restrictive that when I just went out and had my meal with my family, I ended up in the hospital because I had such a bad reaction with the sodium. Cause I like, you know, the, the old the old stories about like no sodium no water you know you can only eat fish and asparagus like I ate raw tilapia and I think we talked about that one time but that was a real thing and so instead of like feel like having a good experience after my show I had a terrible experience and I got really sick and so instead of like being open to trying more foods I just went right back to my meal plan because I was like I don't know what I can and can't eat but I don't ever want to feel like that again yeah and my quality of life just suffered. And so I was like, whatever, I can just do this because, you know, I'm used to it. I've, I've already felt like shit for a long time. I might as well just keep feeling like shit. <laughs> I mean, it was better than how I, you know, the experience that I had. And then it wasn't until like meeting Paul and going through, you know, getting an education that I, I started, you know, flexibly dieting and working things in, you know, putting sodium back in my diet, like not being afraid of, of certain food groups and yeah. whatever. So. I think that, yeah, that, that definitely helped as far as like me not going in that direction uh, with, you know, my psychological stress and, and struggles, but uh, everyone's experience is definitely different. And I think that's a lot of it in competitors can stem from poor coaching or poor guidance, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say like when I'm post-show, like I actively have to tell myself, 
your leptin's messed up, you're hungry, you're going to be hungry, you're going to be hungry. It's just what it is. Like, even I'm in the phase of prep right now where I'm just always hungry. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, um, and although I'm 11 weeks out, I mean, I always have to push really, really hard. And not to say no one doesn't, like everybody has to push, but it's you're in that push phase, if that makes sense. You're not just like in the beginning of fat loss. Now it's like, okay, we're in it. Um, yeah. And that's like one thing. So going back to like what I was saying that I'm struggling with right now is this is the heaviest I've been. And my entire prep last year was a reverse. And so one thing that I'm like, objectively like when I tap into my objective brain and I'm excited about is I never had to really diet to get in contest shape I was already too shredded so it was more of like a filling out and reversing type situation for Mm -hmm. my last my last year's prep and so now I'm at like a, a, a healthy body fat and a normal body fat and you know when I get to the point where I feel like we're ready to prep like I'm excited to have to really push and experience that. And, and, you know, my entire psychology, this prep was, was hard because everybody, and I, I highly recommend not looking on Instagram when you get close to a show. Um, but I did, and people in my class would be like, Oh, new low, new low. Um, whereas I'm reversing and just gaining weight. And I weighed more than most of the girls in my class on stage, but I looked, you know, the way that I needed to look for the division that I was competing in. And so objectively, I, I, I could identify with it, but that was something that was really hard for me. And so now, like, when I was competing in Miami, like, I thought I had reached my off-season weight. Like, that's how much I weighed. And now that I've surpassed that and I am in an off-season form, like a normal human body fat, um, for me, I, I haven't seen myself in this shape in a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And so mentally and psychologically, like that's a barrier that I'm still battling is finding an appreciation for my shape right now. I don't, I don't really get into the woo woo self love thing. Cause I kind of think it's bullshit and I appreciate it. And I'm not saying the movement is wrong, but for me, I can't sit here and say, Oh, I love myself right now. When I, when truthfully, like I don't, I, I appreciate that my strength is there, that I'm healthy. I have my cycle, you know, I'm able to go about my everyday and interact and I'm not food focused at all. I could care if I eat or not. Um, so I'm in like a good place physiologically and quality of life wise. But um, to say that I'm like, Oh, I I'm thriving in my you know off season body and I feel sexy. I mean, that's just, mentally yeah. not there well other aspects too like can help you feel sexy and feel comfortable in your off-season body I mean um if you're in like a supportive relationship hopefully your partner would be I know like women who are married or like have a boyfriend like hopefully they're supportive of you and your off-season body which I think that helps um I've had I'm single I'm single as a dollar bill over here okay okay that's not, that's not happening <laughs> we both single but I'm saying like it can help when I've heard so many people at the gym say like I like you better with you having some more weight on you like cool whatever but like honestly it's really interesting to hear people's perspective of what is ideal fitness and health to them and what is attractive to them because mm-hmm. me as a trainer which I'm sure you understand this being in like the fitness space I sometimes get so freaking mad when <laughs> people don't take me as seriously just because I don't have freaking veins popping outside my abs like sorry like I'm not gonna have that year round it doesn't mean my brain shrunk or something like I'm still just a smart right and it's really funny I work at powerhouse which is like a really old school gym and they're like old school trainers there and they're great you know I'm not going to to judge them, but I do a lot more training styles that are more evidence-based um, with undulating things and progressive overload. And it's not always about lifting heavy and spending hours in the gym. Um, and it's funny, one of the guys was in the gym yesterday and was like, hey, can you like train me through a session? I'm like, sure, I will. Um, and I was like, but we're going to do it differently than, than you've been doing it. And he was like, whatever. Um, and he was annihilated after three exercises training chest he's like I've never gotten a pump like that I've never trained like this and I was like it's not about being in the gym for three hours just moving heavy weight like that I mean to some extent it works like so I'm not saying it doesn't 
but there are other mechanisms of, of stimulating hypertrophy that don't have anything to do with lifting your one RM or three RM consistently all the time. Like that just is not always the way. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting that it's interesting that you say that. Cause I'm very underestimated until I start talking and then they're like, Oh shit, she's kind of smart. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a nerd at what I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Well, it's good though. I mean, you're passionate about what you do and other people will be able to feel that. Um, so never, you know, if you're a trainer, if you don't compete, if you do compete, whatever, it's all about like what's in your head and what you can provide to a client. Um, that will help them so like that's what really matters if regardless of what your shape is and um I mean I'm not gonna lie you know someone on the outside of course looking at someone in contest shape naturally you're gonna be like wow like they could get me in shape but that's not necessarily true I've seen trainers that are in great shape who can't get another person in shape and I also know people that have competed that compete one time and now they're prep coaches and that no that stresses me out that annoys me yeah so I don't know but like going back to the whole like self-love thing body positivity oh you were talking about um comments about like what looks better and for me that you man it's it's just not what I'm looking for as far as like putting my message out there like I'm not saying that one is better than the other because I think both have a place I'm not saying I'm not posting it or talking about it to get validation in my current shape or in my previous shape or to be slandered on one end or the other other. Mm -hmm. It's more about feeling like whatever it is that you're experiencing in this moment is valid. You're allowed to feel that way, but you can't sit here. And so I have to then objectify what's triggering me and make a decision what can I control about the situation what can I do I can either a allow it to let me spiral um I can get into really bad habits um I can decide that I'm going to try to cut which would be stupid um especially because you know I haven't been reversing for that that long but regardless that would just be stupid and or I can say, okay, what can I do to make the best of this experience and find appreciation? What can I do to work through this process where I can move closer to developing a a positive relationship with this form of my body? And again, it comes back to me reminding myself that I am establishing a new normal. Yes. My out of season body last season is not a sustainable level of body fat to live in all the time. And I know Mm -hmm. that comparing how I'm going about my daily life now, the things that I'm able to do, where my mind is, my relationships, my quality of life, just like my energy, um, all those things were not the same in my previous off season. And I know that. And so it's kind of like, okay, I can appreciate it for this. Or my PRs and my strength is increasing rapidly. Like, okay, I can appreciate it for this. And, you know, maybe I don't fit into my, my prep clothing. Um, and so like having that stuff out right now isn't necessary. And I need to instead like add to my wardrobe clothes that fit my frame because I will never go back to being as tiny and shredded as I was at that one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like being able to get my mind into a place where I can appreciate things and start to embrace them and then set myself up to not be triggered by putting on leggings that don't fit anymore or you know whatever it is that might just set me off that day like that's the steps that I can take to kind of set myself up to develop a better relationship with where I'm at and then as far as you know my body dysmorphia like I had a conversation with Paul and I had to reach out to him because I had like hit my breaking point um, about how I, I just don't want to send check-ins. I don't want to, like, I do not want to stand in a posing suit and, and take pictures. I do not want to do it. Um, I, I break down. Like I, I think I, I can't look at myself. You need um, to text me. <laughs> and we had this conversation even today and I told him, you know, I need to find an appreciation for myself. So even if I don't do it every single week, like we're going to do it, you know, twice a month in pictures and then updates every week, you know, just with, you know, the other things without having to get in a suit. And the other thing he suggested was not putting my suit on. You don't have to check in in a suit. It's not to be your, your, your competition suit or your posing suit or whatever. Like just put something comfortable on, you know, this is my update. Boom. And so like, these are, these are things that I'm starting to put in um, for myself to kind of get through this phase. 
um, because I do think uh, like optimistically I I will further you know my coping mechanisms with where I'm at it's just this is a a new stimulus and experience for me and I have to again like actively make choices to work through this I can't hide it under the rug I can't pretend it doesn't exist I can't label myself and confine myself into a box um, because I feel a certain way or this is a new experience or whatever it is like that's a limiting step and I need to just remember that I'm still evolving and growing um, both mentally and physically and my long-term goals and what I want most are only going to come if I find a way to embrace and plow through this process mm-hmm. and like the whole like self-love woo-woo talk like I'm not like into like oh my gosh like I love my body like mine's more or less like out of like a self-respect thing so like it's not like let's say I have a day where I'm like oh my god like where the freak did your abs go like it doesn't even look like you lift like whenever I find myself picking myself apart like that I don't let myself continue that because how I would talk to a friend it should be the same on how I talk to myself I would never look at like a good friend of mine and be like yeah it looks like your legs increased about like three inches and you're looking a little bit fluffy and your stomach is bloated and you know what I mean? Like just going on and on and on and on. I need to stop that. And so my thing isn't like the whole self-love. Oh my God, like super sexy. Like you're great girl. Awesome. Like That's my self-love basic voice, but it's more or less like, okay, how can I look at myself in the most objective manner possible um, and show myself, you know, critiques that aren't in a negative fashion. Um, And that's really hard to do, but I'd like to think that I've gotten a lot better with it. Yeah. And one thing that, you know, I was, I was doing some like seeking of knowledge um, today in my spiraling mind. Um, And a lot of it is reframing how you are perceiving because you will tell yourself a story um, whether it's true or not, but you'll believe whatever it is that you tell yourself. Oh, yeah. Yet I'm not into like woo woo self talk. Like, I am strong. I am this. Like, some, I do think that on some level, you have to fake it till you make it. Like, especially when you're struggling psychologically, like, you don't have to necessarily believe it right from the bat. But I do think that what you tell yourself will manifest itself. Yes. Um, and so, one thing that like I'm going to start doing, and I, I decided this today, instead of being like, I am like, I am fat, or I am thick, or I am letting myself go, instead yeah. of identify, like putting my identity with a statement, instead rephrasing it, like, this is my off season body, you know, this is a healthy level of body fat, you know, this yes. is the situation, but I need to remove my identity from it. Yeah, it's not you, like, the, your body is you, but it's not you, it doesn't change who you are as a person and I think you know another thing that's interesting is with my when I was struggling with my eating disorder and I was surrounding myself with a lot of disordered content and a lot of you know the whole misery loves company so like that like horrible thinspiration website um when I when other people were struggling and you know talking about their disorders it made mine manifest at a faster degree and because I'm like, well, if they're sick or, you know, I'm sick and things like that. Um, and I had to, I, I don't love eating disorders. I love the topic of eating disorders because it fascinates me. And if I were to go back to school, it would be for more psych based mm-hmm. in regards to counseling and eating disorders. But I think, you know, with someone who struggles, it's almost like, you know, again, referring back to the alcoholic, I'm not going to put myself in a situation that I know isn't healthy for my mind. So I'm not going to put myself in a bar or I'm not going to put myself in front of like, I'm not going to bring bottles home, you know? So like same goes for an eating disorder. I'm not going to watch eating disorder films. I'm not going to surround myself in platforms where other people are struggling and (laughs) bitching about it. Like I'm going to surround myself with the opposite, which if you're struggling with an eating disorder, I really recommend that you get as much love and support from your friends and family. Um, And, isolation is a big thing that people do when they're struggling mentally and you need to break out of that before it can manifest into anything more 
Yeah, I think that that's like really important too is like understanding what your triggers are. But for me, it's like, and again, I think this is different from an eating disorder in the fact that there are certain things that for me, I find I make more progress when I'm forced to face them. So for example, like the easy thing for me to do would be to not check in with pictures and just be like, I'm not going to check in with pictures anymore. I don't want to look at myself ever. And I could do that and I would probably feel better. But on the say at the same time, someone's going to take a picture with me. Someone's going to, you know, do all these things. And so like, I would rather confront it now and normalize it in my psychology, whether I appreciate it or like it right now or not. And like work through that process before I just brush it under the rug and it sets me off and then I spiral. And I think that that's different, obviously, than, than, you know, I wouldn't want to surround myself in like toxic conversation about it um, or anything like that. Like I do get insight and perspective from people um, that understand where I'm coming from that are aware of like my situation. But I also have people like those people are the people that can throw the bullshit card or the shut the fuck up card, you know, and, and those are the people that I trust their opinions on. And when I do struggle, like I know that I can reach out to them, which is like more helpful than just kind of, again, like you said, like isolating myself or trying to manage it myself because I can't. And yeah, like say it's bothering you, you know? Yeah. And like, that's why I think it's so important, like even as a coach, even as someone that, you know, is very educated and continues to further my knowledge and appreciation for the sport, I can't coach myself. And I think it's funny when people say, you know, you can't be a good coach if you can't coach yourself. And I'm like, okay, dude, like, sure, whatever, tell, tell whatever, knocks, whatever knocks your socks off, bro. Like, tell LeBron James he's a poor basketball player then because, yeah. you know, he doesn't coach himself. Yeah, I don't know. So I just think that that goes to shine light on the fact that like even as a coach or even as someone in any type of field where you may be, you know, considered an expert or knowledgeable in it, like you still need accountability in whatever it is that you're doing. You just need the outward perspective. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's so funny. I checked in and I did send a check in today and Paul literally cropped my face out of it and sent it back. And he was like, what do you think of this person? And it's Aww. weird. Like, if I remove my identity, I can look at myself and be like, okay, not bad. You know, but as soon as I see it's me, it's like, oh my God, she's a beached whale. Like, she's, Oh my gosh. Kate. You know, and it's, it's mean and it's negative. And I, I'm, I like, I'm so That's aware of it. And I know that. that it's like not healthy. But at the same time, like, I can be aware and be like, okay, I'm triggered by this. I need help. Like, I need someone to throw the sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up card and give me a talking to. Because that's that's better than me sitting here and wallowing in self-pity and all of my roles. <laughs> no roles. Stop it. Uh, I used to, like, another thing, too, is, you know, when I was um, going through a phase of my post-show and also like during my augmentation recovery when my body was going through these weird shifts um I would like just be laying down and like my skin wouldn't be as tight and I was just like uh whatever (laughs) roly-poly yeah (laughs) yeah I would just laugh at it because I'm just like am I really gonna stress out about this the fact that I literally have put my body through hell this year of competing and now I'm putting it through more hell with a surgery like how dare I disrespect my body right now for freaking recovering? Right. And that's another thing too. Like after my surgery, I knew I was going to be much softer <laughs> just because that's how it's going to go. But um, I did come back like, and I do have, again, a, a concrete appreciation for where I'm at. But it, that, that doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't always make it easy. Like, do you, ever struggle with like your body image going into or coming out of prep oh yeah I mean my first progress pictures I took this year um I am clearly going through a lot when it comes to my personal life um and I know my body reflected that with my first set of pictures now like where I'm looking at like what am I like five weeks into dieting which we'll go into that in a second. So 
I started my prep and I remember taking those pictures and not recognizing myself because I had put on, I was actually maintaining a really nice off season body for myself, which was like around 15 pounds above stage weight, mm-hmm. even post-surgery, um, which was like, whoa, you know, cause I just added two balloons on me basically. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like 15 pounds over stage weight. I'll take it, you know? Um, until all of a sudden, I don't know, I wasn't tracking at the time, but I don't know if it was just a stress and inflammation from my relationship, or if I was, you know, consuming a little bit more food, maybe around the holidays, I don't know, it could be a combination of everything. But I took those progress pictures. And I was like, "Ew, I don't want to look at myself. My face is really freaking fat, like all these things I didn't like. But then again, I was just like, you know what, it's just gonna get better from here. Like, that's all I could keep telling myself is like, this is the worst it's going to get right here. So let's just look at the positive. And now I'm five weeks into prep and my weight's been fighting me. I'm about 10 pounds down from when I started, which is still significant weight loss. Um, And I'm getting frustrated too, because I'm just, I know my body fights me at certain areas to get down. And I always will psych myself out when I look at some of my progress pictures where I'm like, I don't know if I'll be ready. I don't think I'll be ready. Like, there's no way you're going to get conditioned. But all I can do is do my job as an athlete. And that is hit my macros, try to sleep as much as I can, which has been super hard for me lately. Um, Hit my cardio, try to hit my daily activity and, um, you know, be patient. But I think one of my big things I've been struggling so much with is just the sleep because I'm dealing with um, more or less like psychological stress right now. So a couple things. Are you already within five pounds of your last stage weight? No. So no, I am. So I, last year I stepped on stage at, well, I got down to 113. I did not step on stage at 113. That was way too lean. Um, so I got to 115 when I filled out a bit. So I am now 131, but I also have my breast now. So that's maybe 1.5 to two pounds per breast. So mm-hmm. that gives you an idea. Okay. Cause so. I was like, you said you gained 15 pounds, but you're down 10. What? <laughs> no, 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 no. So in that month or so, I probably gained uh, like 10 pounds okay. of added weight. And I was just like, I remember weighing myself too. And I was like, I really don't understand what the freak is happening. Cause I swear to like, I was eating the same, but then again, I wasn't tracking. So it's totally on me. So what psychological stress are you dealing with now? Um, I guess a lot. I mean, I own my own business. So being an entrepreneur is always a freaking roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but I always psych myself out. Business has been great I love my clients I love what I do and I'm very grateful the fact that I don't have a job that like I hate to go to like my job doesn't feel like a job however I do overwork myself no Um, I'm the same one of the biggest things is like like I'll go out to like hang out with people and I'll bring my laptop and they're like what are you doing it's like seven o'clock at night I'm like yeah but I'm working like like you know I, I have a hard time and I love what I do but I also forget to take care of myself and like have those moments where I you know talk to people (laughs) yeah or just like do something outside of my work you know or my school and that that has consumed a lot of my life so I've tried to schedule off you know time like okay this is my time for you know client work this is my time for schoolwork okay this is me time and whether it's you go for a walk or you take yourself to a movie KE like you need to do something (laughs) yeah and I've been trying to get better if that I mean um, even today, um, I'm living with my best friend and she had the day off and she's like, Oh, like, let's do stuff. And part of me is like, no, you need to work, 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 work. And the freaking internet's down. And so is Instagram. So I'm just like, well, maybe this is a sign from like the universe that I yeah, need to chill the freak out. Is, like sit down and take a chill. Yeah. But, um, psychological stress. So I'm going through a lot of like mental changes so I have just gotten out of like a really bad relationship um so I'm going through like grief I guess you would say and the change in atmosphere um and I'm also just really trying to figure out like what I need to do to make me happy which I already think I've come to the conclusion after 
thinking about it each and every day, which you and I have talked about it. Which well, is let's talk about it. Moving like across the country. <laughs> do you think you're actually gonna move? Yeah. You do. I do. Because I thought about so fun fact. I I've told some of my clients this. Um when I was nineteen in undergrad, I had a professor say, Let's fuck the bullshit. She literally said that she's like, fuck the bullshit. Fuck these tests. Let's talk about life. What's really important. I love this professor so much. Um, she had us write 10 of our biggest goals that we want to accomplish. I could go through them right now. Like one was become an IFBB bikini pro, own a dog, which that's going to happen again. I did have one. We all know this. Um, the other one was live in South Florida. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, four was retire feeling fulfilled. Five was reach over a hundred thousand people. Six was own my own fitness based business. Seven was earn my master's or doctorate. Eight was um, travel outside of the U.S. Nine was get married. Ten was have kids. Hmm. So I wrote that when I was 19. And I even had plans to move there after graduation in 2018 with this person that I was with at the time. But that just was another like (laughs) manipulation and fake tactic that they had for to keep me going in the relationship so I was like looking up places to tour and everything I was like let's go like let's Mm. let's start my life I got my degree in exercise science you think I'm going to stay in Ohio no like but I think it wasn't the right time because I would have had to have been dependent on him for like you know co-signing and things like that but now I'm at a place where like I don't have to search for a job when I go there I don't have to I don't have to have someone sign. I don't, you know, like I'm not stressed, like I'm not financially strapped and mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing um, with my life. So I think maybe that's why life was like, yo, you need to wait. Um, and I even had a moment in my own personal business growth when I was looking at like how my business has increased from just last year. And I had like a little heart to heart with myself. Of course it's in January, but still it was in January and I like looked over how the month went I was like what are you doing you're not happy in a relationship you know stuff's going on um you know that you have so much potential you know that you're not happy here in Ohio you hate it I would bitch about it every single day here um because a little bit about Ohio like you visited for a hot second it's Mm -hmm. cold it's gray it's not inspirational at all I'm an outdoor body I can't go out for walks that kills me Um, and I just get really upset whenever it's winter here and I can't take it. Um, and that's always bothered me. And so I kept like asking myself, like weighing up pros and cons. I was like, what's keeping me here in Ohio? I guess just my family. But when I, when I look at my family, like I'm not even that close to them. Like I'm close to my family, but I'm not like, I'll die without like seeing my mom for a week. Like, no, I could go months on end. Mm-hmm. we have phones we have facetime incredible so oh that's where my thoughts are with that and so how are you feeling like with just like the whole end of your relationship thing like i know that you were struggling oh and it was someone that you were with for like a long time and so, so at first, uh, first it's got to feel weird but where like how has that struggle gone for you i have a lot of So I've been seeking to find an actual therapist to help with my relationships because I mentioned the sleep and I'm waking up like all the time with nightmares Mm -hmm. from my previous relationship Um, because of like, I don't know if it's like PTSD, I'm not going to self-diagnose, but it feels like it. And my past relationship, like I don't miss him, but I'm like freaked out to the level I got manipulated at. And of course, losing a dog like that. I never got to say goodbye to my dog. And that just really hurts me because like that was my baby. Like that was literally one of my life goals. You know what I mean, Kate? Mm-hmm. And having that taken away from me was like one of the hardest things in my life. Um, but I'm I'm very like, I try not to be like, woe is me victim because it could have been so much worse. And I'm just so happy that I didn't marry this person or didn't get pregnant or anything like that because I now can literally live life for me. And I think like 
these past couple months and how supportive my clients have been towards me have been like a little whisper in my ear saying like, hey, fuck him, leave him. You don't need him. You don't need this. You don't need anything. You just need you and you just need your passion because I felt like I was evolving so fast. Like within the last year, I even get people who've been following me for years that are like, I don't even recognize you. Like, who are you now? Like, you're so different, like in a good way. And mm-hmm. I don't even recognize myself. Like, I'm, I'm always told that I sound like you get this too. Like, we're older beyond our like years, like how old we are. Mm-hmm. Like, we're old souls. And I'm like, you know, like, you just need to let go of him. And it's going to be hard. Like, I knew it was going to be hard because that's what I've known for so long. But I also knew picturing my life here in Ohio, living with him and settling almost destroyed me more than wondering what if yeah that's I think that based on my own experience like sometimes we'll put up with shit because it's at least consistent and you know what to expect and the the idea of not knowing what's going to come next or being alone or without that person you don't it's so scary that you just kind of make excuses for their actions or just kind of live in it because yeah at least I know what I'm gonna get um and it's not really until you break out from that and start foundationally living for yourself and developing that relationship within yourself that you're complete all by yourself and you don't need anybody like that's the best thing that's happened to me so now it's just kind of like if I meet the right person that's freaking awesome if I don't I know I'm gonna get a dog and I'll be fine like I am very I feel very fulfilled in what I do like I see relationships and I want a relationship but I also know what I want in a relationship yes I don't want to settle for less than that so when it comes to me kind of dating or thinking about dating, I just kind of go with my gut feeling because I know with or without that person, like I'm cool. Like I'm, I'll be Gucci. That's what helped is like, I never put my worth or identity in him. Um, and the other thing too, is like with where he was headed in his life, with the choices he was making, they just were not in alignment with who I am. And he was, like, going against my, like, moral code. And I was thinking, like, this isn't, you know, I date to marry. And I'm, like, this isn't the person that I'd want to raise my kids. This isn't the person that I want to align myself with my business. Like, they aren't in alignment with me. And can I cope with that? Or can I move past that? And, I mean, that was a clear, I mean, some women will cope with it. But for me, I was just, like, I need to move past that because I I don't know. I just felt this gut feeling that like it was time to evolve. It's time to grow. Like it's time to get uncomfortable and it's time to grow. And uh, it's just like, it's a relief. Like I'm having, like, I think my brain's still processing everything. Cause I went into shock for a little bit mm-hmm. and now my brain's processing and that's why I'm having like a hard time sleeping. But I'm also like so ecstatic about I mean, when I come down, I'm going to like look at some places and I'm giving myself a new opportunity and it's scary. Of course, like you moved across the country, basically, you know, I've I've up and moved a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, it scares the shit out of me. But, you know, I don't want to go through my life wondering what if I think that's the worst thing ever. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, like, people ask me, like, why are you not scared? And I'm like, if I fail, I fail, but like failure is a lesson if you look at it the right way. So it's just kind of like, I really can't fail. I'm going to learn a lot <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, eat shit a couple times, but yes. you know, that's all, that's all part of the process and it's not going to go smooth. So setting unrealistic expectations, I think is why people get let down. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't live in that space um, my favorite with thing. my life, with my body image. You know, I definitely set unrealistic expectations there but that's just that's that's looping it back around you know yeah Um, but everyone has those kind of situations where it's important to take the message and kind of apply it full spectrum to your life so I'm really good at doing that in some areas of my life not so hot in other areas but again it's just an exposed um, area that I need to need to continue to grow in and you'll get better over time and I think you know um, it's gonna take time to find your new normal and to appreciate your new normal but also like I'm sure that there's other benefits that you're seeing too like I don't want (laughs) to whatever this podcast is it is what it is like I know like with me like getting some like body fat back on me like I felt like 
my hormones were back and like my libido is back and I was like oh my gosh I do actually like boys like things like that that I was just like this is nice like you know I don't know so this is definitely a topic for another podcast but (laughs) if you guys want to know my story about these types of situations you need to comment or whatever the fuck people do with podcasting I'll just throw out there that the idea of being intimate with boys scares the living shit out of me and I'm practically Jane the Virgin so I'll just leave it there there. (laughs) I had one guy asked me the other day (laughs) um because so you and I are kind of on the same spectrum where like we are a little well we're more reserved when it comes to being intimate with people on like a regular basis um or any basis or any basis (laughs) and I had I had one guy because you know I'm single now so guys are trying to talk to me which I was like this is such a waste of time because I'm literally probably gonna leave soon um uh, but one guy was like I think you're a lesbian I was like no (laughs) see I would have just looked at him be like yep you're right like I literally just set myself up to not have male interaction I am the worst and my friends make fun of me all the time they're like well Kate's over here Jane the virgin and I'm like shut up I'm I'm I'll deal with it when I need to deal with it. Uh, but yeah, I've got I've got lots of funny stories. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I also I'm just mentally shot. I'm like I'm not ready for any of that bullshit. I need to figure out. I need to develop myself fully. Yeah, and I think that's the best thing that I ever did because it comes back to what I said earlier. Like I date with intention, and if I don't see it there, I'm not gonna waste my What's time. What's the whole point of dating for fun? What the freak is that? So we can both get like fucked up and like hurt at the end? No, Hi, that's, that's our generation. Good luck. Yeah, may the odds be ever in your favor. My mom was like, "You just need to date like a 30 year old who's like ready for kids, Nicole." And I'm like, "Okay, mom." Yeah. Well, fun fact: my ex boyfriend's like 30, and he's still out here being a savage. So. Age doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, it doesn't because I'm 23 and I feel like I'm 80. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, you just turned 25, right? No, I just turned 26. I'm old, and I also spent my birthday trying to figure out how to get my own insurance. I was gonna say, welcome to adulthood. I don't no, want to be that yet. Here's all your bills, and I'll get your own insurance, bitch. My thank you. Celebratory, <laughs> celebratory things right here. Awesome. Let me go buy myself a physical. (laughs) Seriously. And I got sick right after the Arnold. And that was like when I turned 26. And I was like, well, this is nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. that's the worst. I am still not growing up yet and living off of my parents' government-based insurance, which is top-notch. I'm telling you, take full advantage of that. Make sure before you turn 26, you get a full checkup, blood work, everything you need. That's Make why sure you are in great health. That's the one regret I have. It's like, damn it, I should have scheduled a doctor appointment at least like March 3rd, March 4th. Got it all done so I know I'm in good spirits. Yes, I was, that's why I was just like, I need to get a therapist now while this crap is covered. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Take it to the advantage because I'm over here looking at plans like, what the heck? I don't understand it. I hate insurance. Me, um, I it for like five minutes and I was like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I guess well, we can go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Um, let's talk briefly. I know like you know nothing about this and nor do I. It's just all magical dust right now. This post-show program that I was talking about. Oh, yeah. So if you guys are interested in having some guidance navigating the post-show period, Nicole and I are collaborating on a program that will help guide you guys through the first eight weeks of your reverse, kind of give you some some idea of of how to plan to be successful and promote a successful off-season or improvement season. Um, everyone is different, and unfortunately, I don't think there's enough guidance out there on how to set yourself up for success before you've already kind of gone over the edge and you've developed uh, these inappropriate or unexpected or unwarranted habits um, that will impact how your improvement season goes. Um, So we're kind of collaborating on that. So if you guys are interested, you know, DM one of us, if Instagram ever decides to work again, but if not, um, Nicole will leave contact information in the post show notes. Yes. And it's going to be like community based too, which I think that's what a lot of competitors lack is, feeling like you know other people are going through what they are which trust me they are 
uh, and just dealing with the transition from, you know, competing, having that show day in mind to not competing and maybe, you know, switching your goals, switching your perspective and getting your health um, in check. So I, I'm really excited for this. It's something that I've been thinking that needs to be in the fitness space for a while. And um, yeah, I think that it's going to it's going to be great. So um yeah, Kate. So I am going to, of course, put your information in the description. I think a lot of people like when we uh, podcast together. But mm-hmm. um, why don't you? I don't know. Give give people one quote too when it comes to body image. I guess. Oh my goodness! Um... Stop self love. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stop self sabotaging. Stop sulking and make active fucking choices because you can control the outcome. You control your destiny and you have the power to choose, you know, how you're going to evolve in that stage. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to try my best to take my own advice. I will stumble, fall, eat shit, all the things I mentioned earlier. Um, But I will focus on making active choices to enhance this part of my life. And I would encourage you guys to do the same. Yeah. My favorite thing to say is, you know, the food's not in control you're in control. You're in control of your choices. You're in control of your life. Everything is totally in your hands. It's just all about your perspective and what you're wanting to accomplish. So, all right, Kate, have a good night. You as well. We'll talk soon.